all of you who are here in the sanctuary. We're here to worship together. And to those of you who are on live stream, thanks for joining us today. We are glad you are with us today. One of the things we've been talking about the last few weeks is that we are encouraged to take hold of the life that really is life. And as you've just heard, one of the ways we do that here at ZPC is through our next generation and telling them about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. We are thankful for our staff, uh, Brendan and Elia, Kristen and Becky Woods, transitioning into children's ministry, Becky. But we're also thankful for the many of you who give your time. And so if you got the letter in the mail from ZPC, if you're on our mailing list, there was a card in it. And on one side of the card, it talked about missions, but really on the other side, we wanted to highlight today, Next Gen Ministry. And literally thousands of hours have been uh, given by you, invested in our covenant children over the last year. And there's a breakdown of those hours. So we wanna thank you, not only for the treasures that you give, but for the time that you give uh, in so many ways to ZPC. And we encourage you to pray about how you might be a part of giving to ZPC in 2022. So today we continue in our sermon series, Grace Dangerous, and today we are in the book of Hebrews as we do that. And Hebrews is really a departure from the letters of Paul. So we've been in Paul's letters for, for many weeks now, right? But Hebrews is really a departure from that. First of all, Scholars don't know who wrote Hebrews. We're just gonna say the author of Hebrews because we're not sure. And second, it is unique, unlike I think other books in the New Testament, that it doesn't really tell the, the story of Jesus, the narrative of Jesus, nor does it give guidelines for living as much as or in the way that Paul does in his letters. But really, Hebrews makes a case, a very logical case for Jesus that Jesus is not only great, but Jesus is greater than. And if you were to read, or if you have this past week to read Hebrews chapters one through four, you would find that Jesus is greater than angels, Moses, and the sacrifice system. Jesus is greater than Moses and the angels and the sacrificial system. And so that's very important to know there. We're gonna talk more about that also want you to know to get used to this slide, Jesus is greater than, because you're gonna be seeing that again and again through this message, and that may be something you can take home with you today, that Jesus is greater than. So again, I think Hebrews is a, is a fascinating book. So imagine if you were a Jewish Christian person around 2,000 years ago, and you've heard someone like Paul come to your hometown and plant a church there or, or convert people to say they believe in Jesus, that Jesus really is the Messiah. He's the long-awaited Savior for the Jewish people. So you're a Jewish Christian, and you believe this, but now you're starting to wonder. Some other people have maybe casting doubts on that, and you're wondering about that. And yet you get to read this book of Hebrews, which again makes the case that Jesus really is uh, the Messiah. He really is your Savior, and you can believe in it. And I also not only love that about Hebrews, but I love this passage because when we read it, and I want you to, to think about it, that as, we read the, as I read the words, as you see them on the screen here in just a moment, that this passage could really preach itself. I'm not gonna let it do that. I'm gonna give some insight into what it says. But this is God's word for the goodness and that Jesus is truly greater than. Let's read the word of God in Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. Let us, therefore, approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Most loving God, we've already been in prayer and in song today, and now we're getting into the word. God, we ask humbly that you speak to us through your word, that it is truly living and active. God, use the word, and as we discuss it and talk about it, to help us to know you more, and to follow you more closely. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So this is a short passage we picked today. It's just five verses, and there's really, though, two parts to it. First is about the Word, and the second part is about high priest. And so first we're going to talk about the Word. The Word of God is living and active. We said that a couple of times. It's in there. And sharper than a double-edged sword. Now, I love it that it's living and active. I don't like the sword part so much. I don't know. That's, that's a little tricky Because it says it's a sword that can pierce our hearts. It can probe into our hearts. It says it can lay us bare. What does that mean? It says that God, through the Word, can know the intentions even of our hearts. So we'll get into that more in just a moment. What is the Word of God? It is the written Word of God in the Law and the Prophets of the Old Testament. It is the written Word of the New Testament through the Gospels and through the stories of the early church. We also know that Jesus is the living word. In John 1, John describes him that way, that Jesus is the living word. We also believe that today God can speak to us still through his Holy Spirit, maybe through the Holy Spirit working through other people as they speak to us. We can hear from God. So we need to be getting into the Bible, into God's word, asking the Holy Spirit to show us what God has to say to us in His word. In my discussions with Stan Johnson recently, I I made a confession to Stan. Not a really bad one, but I'll tell you what it was. It says, I said, Hey, Stan, um, I'm a pastor. We know each other really well, you know, and I read the Bible almost daily. There are some days I miss, but often, Stan, I can't remember by like 2 p.m. what I read that morning. I don't know if any of you have had that happen to you. I said, is that, is that a problem, Stan? And he says, well, Scott, do you remember what you had for breakfast or lunch yesterday? And I said, no, don't remember that. Well, you still need to eat food every day for fuel for your body, and so you need to read God's Word every day for fuel for your life. See, this is why I like hanging out with Stan. He's very wise. He reminds us of things that we know, but maybe we forgot. We need to read God's Word because it is fuel for our very lives. And as I was reading this passage this week, 
I saw again that it is truly living and active because I kept kind of missing that sentence right there in the middle that talks about it, that really nothing is hidden from God and that we are laid bare or laid open to God. And as I thought about it, as I looked at it again, I think I wanted to rush to the good news that Jesus is the great high priest. And I think probably subconsciously I didn't want to think about that the word of God or that God can see us and know everything about us because that might be embarrassing. We might be ashamed of the things that God might see in our lives if he sees everything. But it's paired with the fact that he is the great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses and still loves us even though he can see everything. But what I learned again from that word is that it is living and acting and that God's word can see what I need to change, can convict me where I need it, where I am laid bare, spots and places in my own life where I need change. So let's let God's word be living and active for us. If we allow it to be so, it can probe into our lives and teach us. So in this passage, we talk about God's word, and we also talk about that Jesus is greater than, that he is the high priest. And in this case, Jesus is greater than any priest and the sacrifice system. Jesus is greater than any priest of the Old Covenant or the Old Testament or the sacrifice system. This was the system of the priest making regular sacrifices for sin, and this is talked about in Hebrews chapter 4 through 10. So again, we've kind of said that Hebrews 1 through 4, Jesus is greater than angels and Moses and the Old Testament system, and that Jesus is really the, the great high priest and greater than the priest of that day in Hebrews 4 through 10, if you want to read that this week. That priest would make regular sacrifices for sin. Then once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest would enter the most holy place or the holy of holies in the temple only on that one day. And he would make annual sacrifices for himself as the high priest and for the people of Israel. But the author makes the case that we don't need that anymore, that Jesus, as sinless and holy and as the Son of God, he says it right here in this passage, made a once-for-all-time sacrifice. And I love that, and I saw it at least in a couple of places in those chapters there in the middle of Hebrews. Jesus made a once-for-all-time sacrifice on the cross so that we don't need to do that anymore. And after having done so, Jesus ascended to heaven. So we also see in this passage Jesus being God, and yet we can still relate to him. I know Claire and I at our house, my wife Claire and I, the past couple of years, year to two years, have been watching some of The Crown uh, on, on Netflix, I believe it is, about Queen Elizabeth. And we learned some about uh, Queen Elizabeth, and if you were in the audience with the Queen, some, some things about that. That first of all, you shouldn't approach the Queen. You would be invited to have an audience with the queen. And when you go, there would be certain protocol and certain limitations. You would be expected to dress a certain way. And especially if you're a British citizen, you would be taught to bow or to curtsy properly, how far to go down, how far to bow down. You weren't to ask questions about the queen's personal life, but instead let the queen direct the conversation. Let's compare that to what it says in Hebrews here and in other places in Hebrews. We are called now to approach the throne. I love it that they, the author uses the word throne. We're, approach, we're to approach God's throne, and there's no protocol or limitations. I looked. 
There's not a list of things that you can't do or that you can do. You are to approach God's throne with boldness, it says. Another translation says with confidence. And what are we to do there? What do we find there? When we approach the throne, we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I mean, that is good news. There's no protocol. There's no limitations. We can approach God's throne to find mercy and grace in our time of need. And we can go directly to to Jesus. You don't need another priest. Jesus is your intercessor. He is the one to go to, to go directly to him. You don't need an earthly priest. You don't need me nor, nor Pastor Jerry. We can go directly to Jesus with our prayers, our struggles, our thanksgiving, our praise. We can take it all to him. If you've been around Jerry some, he will say sometimes in his sermons, oftentimes like maybe in staff meetings as well, he likes to hold things in tension. Has anybody heard Jerry say that? Let's hold, we hold these two things in tension. We can hold some things in tension in this passage, that Jesus is the Son of God, and so we are called to bow before him. Sometimes it says in Philippians, one day we will all be called to bow before him. He is to be worshiped, but also in the Gospel of John, he calls his disciples, his friends. So we are called to worship him, but also we can be his friends. Jesus is both Lord and friend. We hold that intention. We can approach the throne with humility, with respect for who Jesus is, what he has done for us, with thanksgiving for what he has done for us. But we can also approach the throne with confidence and boldness. We hold those things in tension. He is a great high priest, greater than any other high priest of the Jewish people. But he can sympathize with our weaknesses. He is both great and comes down and, and is low, that he can sympathize with our weaknesses. It said, he was tempted, he was tested like us, but was without sin, that we hold those things in tension together. He was God and man, human and divine. He died but is alive. And so when we pray here now, we can believe in God that God will hear our prayer and even though we can't see God, we can hear from God in his word and through his spirit. So think about that. We can't physically see God. It talks about that in other places in the New Testament. We can't physically see God, but we can hear God. We can hear God in his word and as God's Holy Spirit speaks in us and through us. So Jesus is like us and he's unlike us. He's like us in that he can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but was without sin. He is still God. So I was thinking this week, what does this mean for us? What does it mean for me? And I thought of kind of a fun one maybe. I don't know if Jesus can sympathize with, with me or not on this, but it is a weakness I certainly have. Is it about 9 p.m. I start craving a bowl of bluebell ice cream? Anybody do that? So, you know, and actually I'll take any kind of ice cream. And uh, my wife knows that. She, she doesn't always keep ice cream at home, so I might revert to a bowl of cereal. So that's, that's a good thing. But I know that's not so good for, uh, for staying fit. So that is a weakness of mine that I could take to Jesus as well. But Jesus can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Certainly we have serious weaknesses as well, things that we face as human beings. So I'm in a home group, and uh, we meet on Tuesday morning. It's a bunch of guys, a bunch of men in this church. We meet on Tuesday morning, and as we were leaving, as we were getting ready to depart Tuesday, I said, hey, 
I get to preach this week. It's on Hebrews 4. It says Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. So real quick, just kind of call out some of the weaknesses that, that we face as men, as, as Christians. And they said these things, anger, control, pain, impatience, loss, hurt, pride, lust. I think I added in sickness, even death. And temptation, these are things that we face, weaknesses that we have. But we know, because Jesus is the great high priest, Jesus is greater than those things. Jesus is greater than anger. When we feel angry, we need to give it to him and go to him for help. When we want to control things, Jesus is greater than that. We can give him back control. When we have pain in our lives, whether it's physical or emotional, relational pain, we can give God that pain, and he is there for us to walk with us in our pain. When we are impatient, we can ask Jesus, God, help to show me how to be more patient. Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is greater than our loss, the things we lose in our lives, whether it's a job or a loved one. Our pride that we might struggle with, temptation, Jesus has overcome temptation, and he can help us in that. And our lust or envy are things that we want. Uh, Jesus is greater than all those things. So I thought, well, that was good. I appreciated what the guys in my home group said. So I came back to the church office and I, and I sent out some, some email to some people uh, privately in the church. They're part of the ZPC family. And I said two questions. Said that, and I put in that verse, Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And I said, so I wrote an email. I said, what is the weakness that Jesus might sympathize with you? And then second, how does it feel to you that Jesus sympathizes with you in your weakness. Here are some responses. I got several. First, I am so happy that God understands my physical pain. He knows what it feels like to live with it daily, the tiredness, being so fed up with a constant battle. But he encourages, encourages me because he keeps going no matter what. Having a great high priest that understands my weakness makes me feel that I am not alone. Jesus is greater than our pain and even the pain of feeling alone. So the second one. Sometimes I feel sad when I am not included or left out. It can be painful when you are left out of a social outing or not chosen for a relationship. I appreciate that Jesus knows what it is like to be an uninvited or not included he even experienced this from his own father, being left on the cross so that I would be included and chosen. That's pretty amazing. Jesus is greater than our sadness and those times when we are not included or left out. Jesus is greater than that. The third one, this person simply wrote, I struggle with depression. They wrote, knowing that Jesus can sympathize is sustaining, and it carries me through most days knowing that Christ understands everything about me and has given me the unequivocal promise that he will always make a way for me. I, I said at the last hour, that'll preach. Christ under, understands everything about me, has given me the promise that he will always make a way for me. Jesus is greater than depression and will make a way 
for you. Next, a short one, but meaningful as well. Jesus could sympathize with my feeling temptation. I'm in awe that he didn't give in to temptation. I think this person mentioned Luke chapter 4 where where Jesus uh, met with Satan in the desert and was tempted but didn't give in. They go on to say, I am glad, however, that when I am weak, that he is strong. Jesus is greater than our temptation. Finally, this one a little bit longer. How can Jesus sympathize with my weaknesses, my feelings of being overwhelmed with life and COVID and loved ones who are sick and the weakness and temptation, they put this in quotes, checking out, the temptation of checking out to avoid having to deal with anything. Checking out looks like wasting time on social media, watching Netflix, or staying very busy on purpose. In response, it feels amazing and hard to believe that I have Jesus to help me with my weakness. I think one of the benefits of being older is looking back on difficult times in my life where I thought I was all alone, but now realize that Jesus carried me through those times. That gives me hope for surviving the hard times that are coming. Jesus is greater than the difficult parts of life Jesus is greater even than COVID. Jesus is greater than dealing with and caring for the sickness of our loved ones. Jesus carries us in our times of struggle. In my own life, I thought of the weakness as well of dealing with sickness. As Christians and as pastors, we have the privilege of praying for you when you are sick Sometimes when we pray for our church family here or we get to pray for someone individually, they may be very sick, even facing the possibility of death. And even when we face things like job problems, problems with our families, facing depressions or other heart issues, it can feel heavy. And we need someone to help us in our time of weakness. And so we think again of Jesus. I thought of him this week. You know, when Jesus talked with Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus, he heard that Lazarus, his friend, had died, and he saw the sadness of those sisters of Lazarus, maybe even heard the grieving of their friends, and there were two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead, but still Jesus wept. He wept for the people there. He knew what it was like for a loved one to die. He would know what it would be like to face death himself. He knows our weakness. Even when we face sickness or the sickness or even the death of loved ones, we can say with King David, who wrote these words in the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, Jesus, our great high priest, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus is there in our weakness. Jesus is greater than weakness. Jesus is greater than death and dying, and Jesus has even defeated death. Amen? Amen. Our struggles, our weaknesses, our pain, in many cases, though, in our lives will not go fully away while we are here on earth. But I believe the more that Jesus we have, sometimes the less those things become. The more Jesus we have, many times the things we struggle with, the weaknesses we have, the less they can become. 
Jerry talked in 1 Timothy about taking hold of the life that really is life. This is part of that life, is knowing that we have a great high priest named Jesus who is there for us, who walks with us in our weakness and whom we can approach. So what do we do with all this? First, approach that throne of grace. Approach Jesus to receive mercy and to find grace in your time of need. Second, do that in community. I hope you picked up on that uh, Jason read from Hebrews as well. It was Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. The language there is very similar to this passage in Hebrews 4. It's almost like he's restating his case with a little added in. And the part that the author adds in is he says, go to the throne of grace and then also be with people around you. We need others. We're not to do this alone. We're not to do this life alone, not to do it even with just Jesus alone. He says in Hebrews 10, continue to meet together, encourage one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's what we can do as a a church. We can do this by being together in worship, by sharing in home groups, in Bible studies, at great banquet like it was last night, with donuts and coffee in the gathering space. We can do life together. Finally, what about others? Well, out there, as we go from this place today, there are our neighbors and there are the people in the world. We know they have weaknesses too. And I know that you are blessed as individuals and families and that you have tools that you have as people that are different and unique and because you're created in God's image to take those tools, to take who you are, to make a difference in the world, to be there, to take mercy and grace so that others may find mercy and grace in their time of need. And I know that as ZPC, we have the resources and the programs available. We are blessed to invite others in to join us. So here, they too may find mercy and grace in their time of need. Jesus is greater than anything we can bring to him. So let's go to him with confidence and boldness. Let us pray. Most loving God, your word is living and active. So God, we ask that you speak to us in it. You are our great high priest. You meet us in our weaknesses. Help us to come with humility for who you are as our loving Savior, but also with boldness and confidence that we may draw close to you and help each other in our time of need. Amen.